Hey friends, I, I know that so many of you who are listening to this are currently carrying a heavy weight of pain and loss. I mean, after all, that's probably what drew you to our podcast. And here's what I know. I know when we start to process what's going on in our lives, we can often find ourselves paralyzed by the pain and not really knowing where to go from here. We even begin to, to hear or tell ourselves lies like, this is the end of your story. This will always define you. And, and trust me, I've, I've been there. But, but I've also, as I've come through it, realized that those are just that. They're lies. This doesn't have to define you. This isn't the end of your story. And with the help of others, I was able to navigate my way out of that valley. And listen, at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, we exist to help you navigate your pain and even find purpose in that pain. So if you're new to our community and you're wondering where to start, or if you've been with us for some time and you're just looking to take a next step, I want to invite you to a free webinar that I'm hosting just for you. It's called Five Steps to Taking Back Your Story No Matter What You've Gone Through. In this webinar, I'm going to share with you a little bit of my own journey of how God met me and and guided me after losing my wife, Amanda. And I'm going to teach you five critical steps that you'll have to take in order to rewrite your story. The webinar is an hour and a half long, but I promise you, it will be well worth your time because in this webinar, you're going to learn how to regain a sense of agency and begin thriving, not just surviving, but thriving in the midst of trying circumstances. I'm going to teach you why having more questions than answers is an essential part of moving forward. I'm also going to teach you how to get rid of the overwhelming negative emotions that tend to bog you down and get you stuck. We're going to talk about the one keystone decision that is proven to get you out of your pain. And I'm going to teach you how to listen to the right voices when everyone seems to have an opinion on what you should do next. And listen, we're going to talk about a ton more. So if you're feeling weighed down or paralyzed by the pain that you're experiencing, I want you to know you don't have to stay there. I would love to be your guide and show you the way back to thriving. So here's what you need to do. Go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash start here to sign up for this free webinar. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, just click the webinar link on the show notes of this episode. We've made it extremely easy for you to sign up and we're offering multiple date and time options for this webinar in order to work with your calendar. So go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here or just click the webinar link that we've included in the show notes of this episode to sign up for your spot on this webinar. I believe this one step could be the very breakthrough that you need to put you on the redemptive path that God has for you. I'm in your corner, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Go ahead and sign up now. Look forward to seeing you. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Davey Blackburn. And I'm Aubrey Sampson, and we have another incredible episode for you today with Joanna Weaver. Here's yes. how you might know Joanna Weaver. She's the best-selling author of a book called Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World, which you Ooh. may have heard about. I mean, that book was like sweeping the nation for that a while. Was. Yeah, it was. She has uh, recently released a new book called Embracing Trust. 
the art of letting go and holding on to a forever faithful God. She's mm. a pastor's wife. She's a mom to three. So I feel like I'm like, you know, like soulmates <laughs> with right Joanna. There. That's right. She's also a grandma. I'm not there yet, but I can't wait to be a grandma. So yes. she's a kindred spirit in the future. That's right. Um, and Shoot, you, sh you should have taken this interview, Aubrey. I know. What happened guys, there? I don't know. We I don't missed know. that. You guys know that this... Okay, so Aubrey is taking more interviews from here on yes, out, which is amazing. Which is I fun. love it. I'm super excited yep. about that. So you guys give us a shout out if you want Aubrey to take more interviews because her interview <laughs> style is way, way better than mine. So There's no way that's true. What if everyone's like, no, don't let Aubrey do it. <laughs> now I feel vulnerable. No, Please say you like me, everyone. That. They want to hear more of you, Aubrey, than they want to hear of me. That's for sure. That's for sure. There's no doubt about that. So uh, I mean, I, I don't even have like a an inkling of a doubt about that. Oh, I'm really excited man. about some of the interviews you're t you are taking coming up, which is it's I know. super fun. I got some but good ones. I got that is neither here nor there. That's right. Just know we've got some incredible conversations coming up. Yeah, we've got some really good one of those incredible up. conversations. You're gonna have to settle with this old hat interviewer, <laughs> Joanna Weaver. Uh, she covered. She carried me and covered for me. So it was great. She's right? amazing. Joanna Weaver is yeah. amazing, and she does. She talks about uh, really the really the nature of her book, trusting yeah. God, <laughs> and um, she's walked through some difficult stuff. And yeah. I know you're going to be encouraged by Davy's conversation with her. Well, Joanna, it is so great to have you joining me on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for being here. Oh, I'm so honored. Thank you for having me, Davey. And thanks for waking up early to join us. Oh, my goodness. Tell us where That's you are right. and what time you're waking up to hang out with us. Well, I'm in Montana, and it honestly isn't so bad. It's only 7 o'clock here. But I was up at 6.05 for another interview, a little bit earlier Oof. than that, of course, to get ready for the interview. But Man. yeah, but it's so fun. I love your ministry. I love what you guys are doing, and it's just an honor to be on the show. Uh, well, thank you. Well, I love your work. Um, you, you're releasing this book, Embracing Trust. And, you know, one of the one of the works I'm familiar with, I know a lot of our audience is going to be familiar with, is having a, a Mary Heart in a Martha World, um, which is a book that you previously released. It's a bestseller. And uh, I love that concept. I love everything that you wrote about in it. Um, and so, you know, we, we might touch on that in this conversation, but I'm really intrigued by this book that you're releasing now, Embracing Trust. And, it's, and because it's the art of letting go and holding on to a forever faithful God. And I know that every person who's listening to this, as they're going through the dark night of the soul, the valley of the shadow of death, yeah. they're learning this. They're learning mm -hmm. what it looks like to let go, right? Well, I think we have to. We don't want to, but we have to if we're mm -hmm. going to experience the peace of God. And, you know, as when I first started thinking and wanting to write this book, it was all about letting go and trusting God, which it really is the heart of the message. But after we've done that, then I think after we've let go and surrendered, then we can really hold on to God, not, yeah. not to an outcome. You know, there are things that we're going to have to release, we're going to have to mm. let go of in order to move into our future. But when we do, I've just found out of surrender— Full surrender comes full trust, not wow. perfect trust, yeah. but the ability to trust him more than we ever have before. Mm. Wow.
You know, it's it's funny. You, you and I are both very familiar with church culture. And so I, sometimes you can sit in church services or you can listen to Christian radio or you can, you know, hear people talk about this concept. And, and you kind of wonder, do, have they ever gone through something difficult? <laughs> do they even know what they're, because they're just, they seem to be just kind of saying this almost haphazardly. Like, oh, the Bible says we should trust and let, let the Lord surrender, you know. And yet this comes from uh, some very deep wrestling that you've done because of your own story, your own life. And so I'd love for you to share a little bit about that. And then let's, then maybe we can untangle some of the concepts that you talk about in the book because of what you have learned over the past several years um, in your story. So tell us a little bit about you and then let's kind of dive into your story. Yeah. Well, you know what? I am truly blessed. I was raised in a grace-filled home in a grace-filled church. And, um, you know, sometimes I, I think that I feel a little bit like, um, Lord, why did you choose me to write about mm. trust? Because I don't feel like I've had some of the horrible, terrible things um, happen to me that I know some of your listeners have. But I've found that pain is relative. And right. if it's my pain, it's relatively painful. <laughs> right. And so right. letting God into those spaces, I think, and actually believing that He can redeem all yeah. of the pain, all of the sorrow, all of because we all have it. I mean, you cannot get through life without being scathed. That's right. There, there. We live in a fallen world filled with fallen people. Um, we do things to each other that is so devastating, and just the trauma of life itself. Because yeah. this isn't heaven, and I think yeah. sometimes we forget that. That, yeah. um, and yet God in His mercy comes and. He takes those things and he redeems them and he uses mm. it for his glory. Wow. I I need to plug in just a moment. Yeah, yeah, go for it. It's, yeah. That's a that's there a terrifying feeling when you see that that battery thing all of a sudden <laughs> you know, go red. I know. And <laughs> I it's so weird I lost my grounding plug on my three prong. And oh, so yeah. it comes out super easy. So, but so for my own story, um, you know, looking back, and so this book is really personal, and I kind of chart some of those pivotal moments where I had to let go and trust God. I realized, yeah. oh, I guess I did have some trauma. I guess yeah. I did have some tragedy. You know, it yeah. may not measure up to some other people's, but it definitely was hard to navigate. And so, um, even though, you know, I love Jesus with all my heart. And I kind of came to Christianity thinking that, you know, if I do A and I do B, do B then God will do C, that yeah. life will be this uninterrupted upward climb to success and significance and doing right. great things for Jesus. And instead, the Lord has allowed, you know, betrayal. Mm. He's a- allowed um, broken dreams. He's allowed... Uh, He's kept me small when everything within my flesh wanted to be big yeah. and be significant. In His mercy, He has not given me the things I craved, because mm. I think had He done that, I would have missed. I would have missed the sweetest gift of all, which wow. is Jesus Himself. And so, um, yeah, we we entered. God called me to ministry at sixteen gave me a vision of the man I would marry, my one and only vision. Unfortunately, he didn't give the same vision to him. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he broke up with me me for another girl without kind of telling me. That was a little awkward. Um, But, you know, 
coming to that place of letting go of what I thought my life would be and just saying, okay, God, my life is yours. Here's the quill of my will. You mm. write my story. Um, you know, God was merciful to bring my husband to his senses, and he <laughs> he came back around. <laughs> and <can>. so <laughs> uh. we entered ministry, full-time ministry. I was 19. He was 23. Mm. And I just thought we were going to do big things for Jesus, you know, served at a little church. And I thought we'd have, you know, hundreds of kids in our youth group set up. 30, 35 chairs, and it wasn't unusual to have 30, 32 empty ones, you know? And uh, again, God confounding my need of success because it, it, without realizing it, it really was an idol in my soul. And so anyway, Mm. there's been a lot of, a lot of that where I've had to realize that, uh, you know, God's dreams can become man's schemes and Mm. the call can be fancy food for the flesh. And in His mercy, God did not reward my drivenness, my desire for success, because I I trembled to think where I would have been Mm -hmm. had I gotten my own way. And so um, just trusting Him in that, trusting that um, I hadn't messed it up, I hadn't missed it. It was God who was at work in all of it, even what looked like failure, even when the worst thing that I feared came true. I found his love. I found wow. that um, this end of what I think the end of the story is, it's sometimes just the beginning of a new chapter yeah. if we'll yeah. give that pain and that disappointment to the Lord. Wow, that's so good. You know, I, I, it, it's very tempting to like categorize pain and to kind of, you know, place place it into certain buckets in terms of this is the type of pain that someone's dealing with. So, you know, and, and, and to some respect we can, right? There's certain types of tragedies that, that befall somebody, you know, that, that it was no, none of their doing, right? And then there's certain types right. of pain that they've kind of, uh, they've induced themselves, right? Self-inflicted type pain. And then there's, there's a lot of nuance in between, you know, but you just alluded to something that I felt that I felt the pain of that sometimes we don't acknowledge that it is pain and because there's a huge wrestling and that's this, dream or desire to have something, right? You can fill in the blank or to have someone or to, you know, what what really prompted me was when you talked about planting this church and setting up 35 chairs and having 33 empty and just feeling this constant, almost like success, significance, or whatever you would deem your measure of success in that kind of endeavor, it's almost eluding you. It's like you can't quite chase it down. It, and it almost feels like God's resisting that right? That he's yeah. continuing to put you into places of obscurity and put you places in trust. And that it can be very difficult when it comes to the culture that we live in, where we mm. see everybody else's success now plastered all over their Instagram profiles and their Facebook profiles. And yet yeah. I would venture to say that most of us feel the same twinge of disappointment that you just described, feeling that same twins of twinge of the thing that I want the most seems to be eluding me. Can you speak to that a little bit? Cause maybe it's not, you know, a growing fast growing church or, but maybe it's right. a, maybe it's, you know, a, a couple that they've been trying to have a child for a long time, yes. or maybe it's the, you know, uh, the, the particular uh, position at a job that they've, somebody has been wanting for so long. And, and those can easily be dismissed as like, ah, that's not that big of a deal. And yet we can see our soul begin to kind of fester and even erode as we, as we are finding ourselves in disappointment, right? 
hope deferred yeah. makes the heart grow sick. So can you just kind of speak to that and the importance of where God shows up in those spaces? Yeah. Well, you know, um, I, I think it was Beth Moore where I first heard it. She said that legitimate needs can turn into abnormal desires. And, mm. and if we're not careful, that that thing that we long for can become an idol in our hearts. You know, we wow. really believe that unless I have that, I can't be happy. I can't feel successful. And so uh, without knowing it, we're, we're chasing something that we've put in the place of God. Mm. And that's the danger. Now, you know, as I've really been thinking about that, you know, if we if we stop with the first half of the book, letting go and surrender, you yeah. know, and we kind of become Christian Buddhists, you know, the absence of all desire, yeah. that's not that's not what God wants either. You know, as you look at the Word of God, He says, "He de- delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart." I mean, yeah. we have this good, good Father who wants to give good and perfect gifts, but mm. if in giving us that gift, He actually does damage to our soul, mm. then then that would not be a good, perfect Father, right? Yeah, right? It's not a gift. It, it actually goes to our undoing. You know, you read you read Israel's, you know, this push-pull with God, and they're mm. demanding these things and saying, we've got to have this, give us this. And there's this one verse, and I can't remember where it's found, but oh my goodness, it just, it sends shivers down my soul where it says, He gave them what they wanted, but sent mm. leanness to their souls. Right? Wow. Wow. If that thing that I think I must have in order for happiness actually results in leanness in my soul, a shriveled soul, a, a, a diminished relationship with my maker, then is it really what I want? Hmm. And um, and I know that's so hard to hear because especially when we're, there's that hope deferred. You know, hmm. there's some people listening today that they had a promise from God. I mean, a, a definite word from the Lord. And what is this all about? Yeah. Why, why has everything crumbled in my hands? How, you know, and so what we're left with is one of two conclusions something's wrong with me or something's mm. wrong with God. Wow. And those are dangerous places to be. And right? that's why I think we've got to bring those desires to the Lord. And we've just yeah. got to say, Lord, I give you this longing, I give mm. you this desire. Lord, I, I trust that you know what is best, and in your time and in your way, if this is truly for my good and for your glory, you will bring it to pass. But I cannot cling to this idol anymore wow. because it's destroying my soul. Wow. Man, that is so good. So good. Um, You, you know, Joanna, we uh, I was telling you a little bit off air, we have a, we have a course that you know, called pain to purpose. And and one of the, what we call waypoints, there's like 11 videos, 10 waypoints. And and one of the waypoints, we talk about the classroom of pain. And, mm. um, and it's kind of like the 10, it's suggestions. It's almost like, Hey, these are 10 things God might be teaching you in your pain. And in mm. one of those, we teach that he might be revealing to you idols or exposing yeah. this. Can you kind of talk through a little bit of, you know, as, as you think through your story, you think through your life, some of these places of disappointment, some of these places of betrayal. Can you kind of point out to us instances where you think that those pain points were necessary? Yeah. 
for you oh, to yeah. see these idols. Maybe get maybe anecdotally even like maybe if there's a sure. story that you can think of where it's like, yeah, you know, this is where I finally realized this is this was necessary that I walked through this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, I think probably I can kind of trace it back to when I finished having a merry heart in a Martha world, I really wanted to write this book on trust. I thought that was the next one. And so I took what I thought was going to be a six-month sabbatical, and instead it turned into a six-year dark night of the soul. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, I shouldn't say six years a dark night, but definitely 18 months of the wow. dark night of the soul where God used the removal of approval— and uh, allowed some relationships in our church to implode. Uh, my closest friends, the women that were kind of, they had come beside me during Having a Merry Heart and taken wow. a lot of the load of ministry. These were the most godly women in the church. And yet the enemy got in there and a careless remark, just me spouting off my opinion, was the tinder that started mm. a forest fire and literally imploded what had been a thriving ministry. And it was interesting. We'd get together, we would try, you know, we would be reconciled, we'd cry, we'd, we'd pray together, we'd say, how did we let this happen? And two hours later, Davey, things would be twisted and it would be even worse. There was a demonic activity wow. going on that wow. wasn't just aimed at me. It was to take out those beautiful yeah. women as well. Yeah. And what, uh, so this went on, you know, this broken relationship for like 10 months and it, I couldn't fix it. I couldn't make it better. And I remember I would lay in bed at night and these tapes would go through my mind, you know, the attorney for the defense. And I had the defense. I knew if I could just get them to understand this. And I had character witnesses. I mean, I was already. And then there was the uh, the prosecuting attorney that also mm -hmm. had all of the information on them and how they were wrong. Yeah. And yet the Lord, he, he just kept me in this vice and revealing this flesh that I don't know that I really knew, the flesh where Paul writes in Romans, in me, that is in my flesh, no good thing dwells. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that there was a 683-pound sumo wrestler chick inside of me that was a church girl that as long as you did things her way, she was fine. But boy, if you crossed her, whoo! Wow. And the Lord began to say, Joanna, you think it's about them. You think, and all you can see is the injustice of what they've done to you. But I want to show you some of the fault lines that have run down your soul since a little girl, this desperate need for everybody to tell you who you are, wow. to let you know that you're okay, that you have significance. And he literally stripped it all. I remember telling my husband, I said, I feel like I've just been stripped down to the chassis and I'm up on blocks and I'm shivering and naked and cold. And there's all these perfectly good pieces all around mm. me that I just want to put myself back together. But I said, you know what? I want to be new more than I want to be comfortable. Mm. And so the Lord just let that stretch on as he did this deep soul work in me. And I can honestly say, David, uh, Davey, that I would do it a thousand times again wow. for what he did in me. And yet, I, I have to confess, I thought I was going to die. I, I mean, yeah. my daughter yeah. was, was probably 
11 or 12 during that time. And, you know, you think you're handling it well. But she just a couple of years ago, she goes, was that the time where you were in your bedroom crying all the time? (laughs) Like, that would be the time. That that was that season. (laughs) Yep, that was it. (laughs) Yeah. And then the Lord took me out of the dark night of the soul into an unexpected pregnancy at 40. And... Mm kind of back it down into the dark night of the soul. You're, wait, because, you're talking about a, a real pregnancy. Not, not, we're not talking spiritual yes. pregnancy over here. Oh, wow. no, wow. no. I, it was so funny because I had just said, I had just said, you know, if I knew Jessica and John Michael would have turned out so wonderful, I would have had more kids. And then wow. six months later, I'm, I'm pregnant. And we're, I have a 17-year-old. I told my friend, I said, I never thought I would be shopping for cribs and colleges at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, yeah, but it could be worse. You could be shopping for diapers and depends. You know, so wow. there is That's that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that six-year that six year Dark Night of the Soul actually was pretty accurate. It was just uh, it you was. Know, compounded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> compounded with it having was. a new baby and yeah. postpartum and all of that. Wow. But Amen. out of that came the second book, Having a Merry mm. Spirit, allowing God to change us from the inside out. And, you know, for me, those transformational points can be, mm. tr- can be linked to trusting Him and surrender, most definitely. That's right, yeah. But they all had a pain. There was a pain point. There mm. was where my flesh was being confounded because God didn't want to do a deep work in my soul for the purpose of setting me free. That's right. That's uh, of right. purifying those desires, of purifying my call to ministry, stripping away the flesh. Wow. It, it comes through pain. And, uh, you know, the enemy thinks we're going to take her out. We're going to take that person mm-hmm. out. But God goes, no, I'm going to turn this for their deliverance That's and good. the deliverance of many. Hey friends, I can't tell you how many times we've had someone write in or message us asking us for a list of the podcast episodes and resources we have on a particular topic or pain point. In fact, just the other day, someone asked me, hey, can you point me to all the episodes you guys have on sexual betrayal? Because unfortunately, this person had just recently discovered that this was now part of their story. We get this question so much that we decided to do something about it to make it easier for you. Rather than wading through our entire library of very inspirational content, if I may say so myself, how about if we just give you a list of everything that we have on a particular topic you're looking for? We've done that. We've built some of these lists, and we call these lists Curated Pathways. With Curated Pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries all in one place that will speak directly to what you're experiencing right now or what a friend or a family member is experiencing. We've packaged this in an easy way for you to consume it, you to access this material, or for you to send it over to a friend or family member you know who's experiencing a particular pain point right now. Our Curated Pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, masterclasses, live coaching, and everything in between. Let's be honest, when you're facing a crisis, a loss, or a trauma, you just don't have the time or the energy or emotional bandwidth to search for what could help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways, so that you can more directly and quickly access the resources that you need. Now, you can get a taste of what our Curated Pathways are all about by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go to the next level, 
on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire curated pathway you're looking for by becoming a Community Plus member. For just $20 a month or $200 a year, you'll have access to the complete collection of Nothing Is Wasted curated pathways. As a Community Plus member, you'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows and as we release those. Our team has been working very hard to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you, to your friends, to your family, because we know what it's like to face pain and we want to equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus or get a little taste of our curated pathways at nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. Both of those links are here in the show notes. I had a friend tell me the other day, he said, it's just like God to weaponize what the enemy does in your life against mm-hmm. the enemy. And I love that phraseology, weaponize. <clears throat> I had never, That's it. it's so like, I don't know, it was so forceful. And so like, I mean, it was very powerful of a statement to say he's turning this around as a weapon against the enemy Amen. to advance his kingdom and that's for that's true of all of our pain and everything that we go through as long as and I, and I want to say this as long as we're leaning into yeah. that classroom of pain it, because I, I want to acknowledge this Joanna that that takes a lot of uh transparency humility and awareness to yeah. even to one be able to know that what you just articulated right there to be able to know you know this some of these betrayals that I was experiencing, they weren't just binary. It wasn't just because we can often approach it like that. It's like, a, well, they're 100% wrong. I am completely in the right. I am such a victim in this situation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there are situations that definitely proportionally lean more toward that. So I don't want to dismiss those situations. However, a lot of times relational tensions, relational strife, whether it be in the church, whether it be in small groups, whether it be just in workplaces— it's a lot more um, disproportionate than just, you know, 100% zero. And, and yet we kind of see, we tend to see it that way, right? Yeah. But for you to be able to say, wait a minute, as I took a step back and realized a couple things, I realized one, the enemy had this strategy in play. There was yeah. a, a demonic spirit that was really trying to rip this thing apart because he knew he was, he was intimidated by the, the work that could have come out of this, the, when, when, you know, kind of like in Psalm where it says, blessed are, are when brothers dwell in unity, right? We could say yeah. brothers and sisters, right? When, when you're under the, the unified work of God's kingdom, the Holy Spirit, you've, you've laid down your own particular agenda and you're working after the kingdom of God, man, there's this huge blessing and anointing on that. Well, the enemy knows that. So he's going to try to right. unravel it. He's going to get in and he always gets in to divide from the inside. So one, for you to be aware of that, but then two, to be aware of, God was doing something in me, even though I felt like I was a, a victim in this, or I had the, you know, this was, I had the upper hand, so to speak, in, in, in what, what was right. For you to step back and go, no, there was some, there was some cracks in my character that God was revealing yeah. in that. That's huge, Joanna. Like that's, uh, that, I think that can really bring us all a lot of insight into our own situations, especially relational tensions that we experience. Absolutely. I think so many times we miss the gift. We miss the gift because we are just so wounded, right? Yeah. And I use that I use that as for me at least 
that slippery slope of self-pity. Like, yeah. how could this happen? I was so wronged. And, you know, the Lord was really gracious <clears throat> to just give me a glimpse of that, of my flesh, mm. and that it really wasn't all that lovely. <laughs> yeah. And wow. that there was some things he wanted to change. And, you know, I think <clears throat> the problem with playing the victim, and I use that loosely because there are definitely, there are definitely victims, but I think it can go for any situation. The problem with staying in that identity is that we miss the possibilities of what God might want to do with that pain. And, mm. you know, we hear that, don't waste the pain, right? Yep. right. Well, the best way mm. not to waste the pain is to say, search me, oh God. Wow. See if there's any wicked way in me, any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. And, you know, I, I just heard recently, you know, Psalms 23 uh, though I walk through the valley of shadow death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Yeah. And then that second part, you prepare a table mm. in the presence of my enemies. That there is, there is the possibility of meeting God's presence mm. in the valley of the shadow of death. That's right. Like we can meet it in no other way. That's there, right. there is a rich table, a buffet set before us. That's but right. if my eyes are so on the enemy. Mm. I miss the food that's in front of me that God wants to feed my soul. And so, you know, it really is, I, I just had to have the Lord's help, and it didn't happen overnight, but I I had to have His help to get my eyes off of them and what wow. they did and how they needed to change, and even get my eyes off of my need to have everybody okay with me. I don't wow. know if anyone else has that. Right? <laughs> no, nobody like, else struggles with that at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can only be okay if you're okay with me, right? Wow. Wow. And to like even be okay that I was being misunderstood, I was being misrepresented, uh, okay with the fact that it, it w had kind of undermined my position as the pastor's wife in my yeah. ministry in the church, to be okay that, you know, geez, in Philippians 2, I love this portion where it says, have this mind that was in Christ Jesus, who made himself of no reputation. Mm. Just that piece. Here's the deal. When we make ourselves of no reputation, we have nothing to defend and nothing to build. Wow. We leave it in the hands of God. Wow. And as the Lord just—and honestly, it was the crucible— mm of this terrible misunderstanding, what felt like a betrayal and an injustice. And there are several others that, you know, in our life, now 41 years into full-time ministry, wow. you know, here's the reality. You know, people, we're, we're human beings. And so not only are we going to be hurt, but we're going to hurt other people, even though yeah. we don't mean to. Yeah. But if we can, rather than cause letting that divide us and separate us, we can bring that pain and say, Lord, what do you want to do? What is this revealing? Mm. What what fault lines, what fig leaves that I've been looking to for significance to cover my nakedness that all of a sudden are being stripped away and I feel naked and vulnerable? And wow. um, what do you want to do? And I'll tell you, oh my goodness, the Lord has met me at those points of pain. I remember being pregnant at 40 and I couldn't get okay with it, Davey. I'm a good girl who wants to do good things. Yep. I'm a, I'm an approval addict. I'm a works-based recovering Pharisee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm all of that, right? 
And I have never performed more poorly. My mm. first reaction was, may it be to me as according to your word. Uh, you know, my mm. life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. But then my flesh woman just freaked out and I couldn't get okay. And yet in this, this time where I've never performed more poorly, I've never felt the love of God more completely. Wow. You know, wow. Just, just him saying, I understand, honey. I know this is not what you wanted. This isn't what you thought your life was going to be. Yeah. But I know what I'm doing. And this is a gift. And mm. I can tell you on the other side, Josh just just graduated from high school and he is such a sweet gift to our soul. Mm. And yet even his life came wrapped in some things that we didn't expect. He was mm. born with low muscle tone. He's experienced some delays. We don't know what his adulthood is going to look like. But we know that He was purposed in the heart of God. And so we just keep praying, Lord, give us the keys to His kingdom. Show us how to parent Him. And even realizing, I'm parenting Him for eternity. The full expression of who He's going to be may only be seen someday down the road. But this is a gift, and Lord, don't let me squander it. Wow! Don't let me let the disappointment of what isn't swallow the joy of what is. It, it's just a beautiful thing, this journey with Jesus, but we've got to trust him. Yeah. True. Man, I feel like I could ask, you know, a hundred questions based on some of the things that you were saying right there. It's just so rich, Joanna, so rich to to be able to to lean in to those places and see the parts of your soul that are fragmented, you know, and 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 allow pain to to reveal that to us, to illuminate that to us, and then to and then to do the hard work of tr- of surrendering some of those places to the Lord. Yeah. Um. You know, it's, we have a lot of. I, I kind of want to go back a little bit too to this. Um. You know, to the to the degree you feel comfortable, but I know there's a lot of, uh, a lot of a lot of pastors' wives listening to this conversation, and a lot of women in ministry, men in ministry. I mean, a lot of people in ministry context where they, they've experienced that twinge of uh, betrayal, hurt, relational strife. You know, it, it seems to, it seems to accompany ministry. Like it just, it, for whatever reason, there seems to be this, and, and I, I haven't been able to wrap my, my mind around it. I'm, I'm you know, Maybe one day when I'm 80 years old, looking back on everything, I could be able to say, hey, let me kind of put some formula to this and help people have some construct to understand this. So I'm curious what your insight is into it, but what can you help illuminate to us, maybe maybe just so we can all feel a little bit more understood, what, why is it that it seems that when you are in a place of ministry, that there are expectations of you that don't seem realistic? Yeah. And 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 so therefore, there's this a stage is set for you to fall short of those expectations, and there to be relational strife, or there, or or, or why why do we see so much betrayal? Why do why do we see so much dis? It seems feels like disloyalty sometimes, right? As a as a minister, yeah. like on our side of the perspective, a lot of times you feel like you give your whole life, your whole soul, you're sacrificing so much into ministry, and it seems like it can be hurtful sometimes when it feels like people don't. Um, there's not, not even reciprocity. I don't know if that's what we're expecting, but it's like, you know, they just, the one little thing and they leave your church or one, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, there's, there's just so much of this relational. Why is it, why is that the climate it feels like yeah. in, in church? Well, I think, I think probably the big answer to that, the overarching a- answer is that God loves unity 
And so, of course, the enemy is going to target that, right? Yeah. He's going to do whatever he can to so hurt. Um, you know, I think it's really important um, that we understand that it's not one-sided. You know, I've just realized that it, <laughs> you know, I, I had this lady come up and say, have I done anything to offend you? And I said, oh, no, not at mm. all. She goes, well, you come up to a group of people and you gr you greet everyone except me. And oh, wow. I realized, oh, my goodness, you're right. I am so sorry. Wow. And I feel like the enemy knows, like he, he knows, just like my fault line was need of approval. He knows the fault line of each person, and he's going to do whatever he can to cause the wounding at mm. the place that will be most effective, right? Wow. And so as pastors, he he wants to attack us as well. And But I think mm. it's important to understand it goes both ways. Yeah, because for sure. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants us to feel like it's just one-sided, that we're the one with the target on our backs. And I think we need to be a little careful of that. That's Even good. that terminology, if we're doing God's will, we're going to have a target on our back. Well, listen, we're God's people, so we're going to have a target on our back, all of us. <laughs> all of us, the, that's right. Absolutely everyone, because Satan hates God. And because mm. God loves us so much, he's going to do whatever he can to take us out. Wow. Um, big picture that has helped me with that understanding, you know, when someone says, you know, we're not just, we're just not being fed, or, mm. you know, we feel like we need a better program for our children, or, you know, and all of the things that people say when they leave our church. The Lord showed me one time, He said, Joanne, if you really love those people, you're going to want them to be where they will thrive. Mm. And And by the way, they're not your people, they're mine. Wow. And if I choose to move my sheep around because I've, they have a specific need that your church can't meet, then would you bless them? Mm. Would you would you pray that God that I will take them where they can flourish and grow? So wow. I think that having that better perspective that we're not taking everything so personal that we know that this is this is the flock of God. This is not my flock. This is yeah. not my church, and and to also shed. <laughs> The delusion that we're going to be everything people need, yeah. right? <laughs> right? Yeah. We've got to let go of that. And I think we do need to not take it, and this is hard, but not take it quite so personally. Mm. Um, you know, here's the deal. The bait of Satan is offense. Mm. He wants us to get offended, and he's going to make sure Wow. That that we're going to be wounded. And here's the deal. If we don't deal with some of the offenses that have happened, some of the betrayals, and, and you know, I talk about it a lot in the church, in the book. I talk about, you know, two different times. I don't go into all the details, but two different times we're in flourishing ministry, and yet it, you know, implodes. The first time uh, a new pastor came, he decided he wanted a different staff. And mm. though he didn't do it correctly, he had full right to ask us to resign. And yet wow. the way it was done was so wounding, mm. so hurtful. This was a man that we loved and respected. He had been my childhood pastor. 
Oh, wow. And so to have it come down the way it did, ooh, the enemy wanted to take us out yeah, yeah. with the, inv- the the injustice of it all. I really believe that there's nothing harder to deal with than injustice. Injustice, that's right. Right? Wow, wow. When we can't figure out why it happened, when it feels so unfair, and yeah. boy, it is, it's, it's just this satanic setup to take yep. us out. But again, wow. when we say, Lord, my life is yours, you get to do whatever you want, wow. right? Paul, you know, in his ministry, he talks about all the things that happened to him, you know? Yep. It's quite a list. Yep. I have not been shipwrecked. I've not been beaten with rods, you know? <laughs> I haven't yeah. been stoned and left for dead. But he ends that list by saying these words, yet none of these things move me, for wow. I did not count my life dear to me. And I do wonder if that's not part of the issue, that I kind of count my life a little too a little, dear. Wow. Wow. My my reputation a little too precious. Yep. And I get all moved. I get all shook up when things don't go my way rather than going, "Okay, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you." And really truly hammering out forgiveness. You know, I I heard a statistic years ago and I couldn't track it down for the book, but they say that mismanaged hurt is the number one reason why ministers are leaving the ministry. Mm. And I think it's probably accurate. And the enemy is doing everything he can to sow offense in our heart, to build wedges that divide us. For us, uh, you know, not only had that happen, but um, we we went to this little church, 35 people, and God blessed it, and we grew to over 400. We built a new building. But as we're—I mean, it was so—it was— it was just so trite, like a building project, and then there's a church play, right? You know, I couldn't believe it. It's like, yeah. really, this is yeah. happening? And yet, that's exactly what happened. Church, uh, where, again, this seed of discontent, very much like my experience with our women in ministry, that there was some discord, sideways energy in the um, the leadership of our church, and— um, and so where our church had sent us to Hawaii on our 10-year anniversary, on our 15th anniversary, they read a letter, the board read a letter asking for our resignation. Oh, you goodness. Know? Now, Man. they didn't plan that, right? but right. the enemy did. Yes, right. Maximum impact. That's right. Let's take him out with bitterness and offense. <sighs> and again, we had to hammer out forgiveness and wow. really believe God, our lives are in your hands. Wow. Nothing thwarts your purposes. And I, I remember this one day as I was, you know, it, it, it of course it was like a blow. Uh, where my crucible happened eight years earlier with our women's yeah. ministry. Now I watched my husband go through devastating pain. Yeah. And yet I knew what God had done in that incident of injustice, the things that he stripped from my soul that I just pray I never get over, right? Because wow. uh, wow. here's the deal. He only reveals so he can heal. That's right. And so, so when those fault lines are revealed, it's because God wants to do this incredible work in us. And so as we're there, I remember this one day I was like, I was walking through the house and all of a sudden this, and this doesn't even make sense, but it's so true. This overwhelming gratitude. Here we are, we've resigned our church. So they asked for our resignation, but we really felt the grace. Let yeah. me go back a little bit to walk through this because I I firmly believe 
that you can go through church conflict and come out the other side whole. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I was kind of excited that we get to be that church. Wow. But instead, as we two weeks into the conflict, God individually told John and I that our time at this beautiful church was over. Wow. And that we were to that he had someone else for that church and he had another church for us. Yeah. And so we we let go and surrender again. Yeah. This yeah. church that we dearly loved, six months into our new building, all our dreams, all our hopes, all our all our plans had to be let go because it's his church and not That's ours, right. right? That's right. And as I was walking through the church, the house one day, I was just so overwhelmed with this wave of gratitude to think that God would dismantle a thriving ministry mm. to do something deep in us. Mm. Now. That doesn't make sense, but here's the deal. I really believe that God's more concerned about building His kingdom in us than He is in building His kingdom through us, right? But the enemy, the enemy wants to sidetrack us. He wants to take us out with the wound of offense. And if we cooperate with His plan, we're going to get frozen at that point of past pain. And though we may be moving forward, we're really walking dead men and women because yeah. everything refers back to that tomb, to that place of betrayal. Yeah. But if we give God access to that place, if we let Him, by His grace, help us hammer out forgiveness and cultivate the unoffendable heart of Jesus, wow. the thing that the enemy meant for evil right. is going to boomerang back on His thieving right. and deceiving head. That's right. That's the power of our great Redeemer, God. Oh, but we've yeah. got to cooperate. Hey, friend, have you found yourself swimming in a sea of questions that inevitably come after pain, loss, trauma, tragedy? Do you ever wish you could just sit down and ask the difficult questions that you have on your mind to someone who actually understands how you feel, but also someone who knows how to help you climb out of this valley? Well, now you can. I would love to invite you to join me along with other trusted certified coaches and friends of Nothing Is Wasted Ministries for our monthly live coaching sessions as we take a deep dive into the places that are on your mind and your heart. Each month, these live coaching sessions will help you navigate the tough conversations necessary to find God in your pain and begin your path towards healing. The best part about it, they're absolutely free. So bring your questions, all of them, and let's do what scripture calls us to do and get wisdom whatever the cost. I promise you, you're going to need it to keep going on your pain to purpose journey. To sign up for live coaching, simply go to nothingiswasted.com slash live coaching or click the link that's right here in the show notes. Once you register, you'll receive an email that will give you all the information you need on how to join our next live coaching session. Now, what if you can't make it for the live coaching session? Can you watch it any other time? Absolutely. If you sign up for the Community Plus membership plan, you can get access to on-demand replays of all of our live coaching sessions, plus access to our entire Nothing Is Wasted content library, which includes curated pathways, master classes, bonus episodes, mini courses, and so much more. You can join Community Plus for only $20 a month or get the discounted annual rate at $200 a year 
do this by going to nothingiswasted.com slash community plus or follow the link in the show notes of this episode. Friend, you do not have to sit alone in the dark. Let someone who has walked a similar path help you find the way towards healing. I can't wait to spend time with you at our next live coaching session. I mean, I love you know what you're saying here as far as cooperating with God, partnering with God, right? Yeah. That we do have we do play a part in this. And I think sometimes when injustice happens, we can feel this sense of a complete loss of agency, right? Because there is something yeah. that we don't understand, so we can't control. We try to figure out how we can like change the situation or control something, control an outcome, and it and we we're we're at a loss. We can't. And so it yeah. can cause us to go well, then I'm completely out of control. The reality is, is we do have some control over certain things. We have control over how we respond. We have agency over Absolutely. how we partner with God in those spaces. And I love, I think you write about cultivating an unoffendable heart right. and how important that is and you know how, how necessary that element of trust is to do that. Because were yeah. it not for trusting that God is going to boomerang the situation, right, in his mm -hmm. time— yeah. Looking forward to seeing that, then then there's no way we could, it feels like, humanly cultivate an unoffendable right. heart. Like, how do we just let injustice go if we're not trusting that God's going to be the ultimate judge of this, that he's going to be a much yeah. better judge than what we could be in our own nature, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, here's why I think we struggle to forgive, because mm. we secretly think people have ruined our lives. Wow. Wow. Right? Look at really, Joseph. Really, really. Right? Look at the story of Joseph. Absolutely. In fact, I really I really dive into that in the mm. chapter called Living Beyond Your Dreams. Mm. Because, right? God's given us a dream. He's he's called That's us right. to ministry. He's called That's us right. to do these big things and all we have is obstacles. Yeah. And you when you look at the story of Joseph, he he had every right to just sit down in self-pity and give mm. way to bitterness and just rage. I I'm a slave. Well, yeah. I'm I'm going to be the most entitled, bitter, angry, resentful slave possible. Yeah. No. Instead, wow. it says this this boy who who some scholars say his coat of many colors was actually a symbol from his father that son you're never going to have to work a day in your life. Mm. That boy is now a slave. Does he give way wow. to self pity? He gets up. And he serves with all his might and with such excellence that yep. he's put in charge over all of Potiphar's house. And then when he's betrayed by, by Potiphar's wife and falsely accused, in prison, he rises up through the ranks because he refuses bitterness. And yeah. he, simply, he simply works at everything he does as working unto the Lord. And God yeah. was with him and he prospers. And it's years and years goes by before the dream that he had That's an right. idea how it was going to turn out is actually fulfilled. That's right. The dream that he had was so small. Mm -hmm. And it was those incidents of injustice, the time in the pit, the time in the prison that prepared him for the palace. Yeah. And I think we miss it. We miss the opportunity to become the people God wants us to be, not just for his purposes, but just right. the fullness, like, like that he uses the injustice, he uses the pain to actually strip away all the things that are obscuring what he had in mind when he made the original us. Wow. Right? Wow. Yep. Yep. 
So yeah. there's a gift. There's a gift, but oh, it's so easy to miss. Believe me. It's I, and I still I still fall fall for the plots of the enemy. I still get yeah. sucked down into self-pity, um just resentment, shame, all the things that he uses against us to keep us from moving forward in God. But mm. I really believe that if we can trust God at the place where it's the most hard to trust. Hmm. You know, and here's the deal, trust isn't an emotion, it's a choice. That's it. And I keep waiting to trust. Well, I probably won't get around. I, I keep waiting to understand, and then I'll trust. Well, I won't get around mm. to it. Instead, we'll keep eating from the wrong tree, trying to wow. understand why things happen. Having well, that and labeling that's good, that's bad, that's wrong, that ruined my life. Yeah. We're eating from the wrong tree, yeah. Rather than accepting the tree of life that's made available through Jesus, I believe wow. trust is the key back to the garden. Yeah. back to intimate friendship with God, and coming back under His umbrella of provision and protection, His ability to mm. take all that the enemy has meant for evil and turn it for good. Wow. Wow. That's so good. And I, I want to zero in on that for a couple minutes, you know, before we kind of close out the conversation, because that's what, that's the probably the primary thing that anybody who's going through some kind of trauma, tragedy, major life transition, some kind of pressure point in life, Yeah, that's the thing that we wrestle with the most. You know, and and and, I, and for a lot of reasons, I think I think some of us, uh, we we grow up with a a fault a faulty understanding of who God is, and so we don't recognize Him as a a loving, good Father who can be trusted. Yeah. Um. Some for some of us, it's because we've experienced things that tell us that that's our worldview, and so, uh, you know, the the experiences we've had, the trauma we've endured, the tragedy that befell our lives, whatever it is, right? It's informed us, man, God must not be able to be trusted. Yeah. We kind of equate one plus one equals two there in that situation. And so I, I wonder if you if you can speak to to trust in terms of, you know, how do we how do we gain a sense of of God and his right character? Yeah. So that we can trust him, right? Because trust is a choice. And then that choice does, you know, it, it, it comes to from like seeing God rightly, but so many of us right. don't see God rightly. So how do we, how do we foster that or engender that almost so right. that trust can become natural, right? Like, mm. you know, if I'm a, if I'm a good earthly father, my kids just kind of naturally trust me, you That's know, they're, it. they're almost very um, gullible. If I tell them something, they're like, oh yeah, I believe it. Cause dad told me, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> That's right. right. It's so naive. And yet Jesus said, unless you enter the kingdom, like one of yeah. these. Right? I think that I think that's a huge part, you know, cultivating childlike faith, not childish. Yeah, that's faith, good. Right, yeah. and that's kind of where it gets tricky because that childishness can kind of get in there, and we begin begin to demand and um, insist mm -hmm. rather than just believe, Daddy loves me, and if he said no to that, that's okay. You know, mm -hmm. uh, one of the gifts that Josh has been to us is he has like the purest heart of anyone I've ever known. And uh, he just, I was asking the Lord one day, I'm like, he's blowing my mind because he just obeys me. Like mm. my first two kids didn't necessarily, they're great kids. But when I said, clean your room, they didn't just go clean their room, <laughs> right? Mm. They'd fight me or, or they'd put it off. Josh just obeys. And I wow. was asking the Lord that one day and he goes, well, it's because He trusts you. He believes that you have His best in mind. Mm. 
And so I think I think that that cultivating that childlike faith that just isn't uh, it's not wavered when things don't go our way, right? Mm. That it's that Psalms one thirty one that I've calmed and stilled my soul like a weaned child. Yeah. at his mother's breast, where we really believe, Lord, you're my source. And if I need it, you'll provide it. And if I, you don't, maybe I didn't need it, yeah. which is a little revolutionary. Yeah. But for True. me, for me, that it's been a lifetime work. And I think being okay that it's a process, yeah. but yeah. constantly staying engaged in that process. You know, someone has said, we only trust the ones we know. So cultivating that relationship with the Lord, you know, not just settling for a form of religion and going through the motions, not going to His Word just to check it off our list, but going with an expectation that He's going to speak to us through His Holy Spirit, that He's going to give us something uh, that our soul needs. But um, I I really was asking the Lord, I I didn't want this to be a Band-Aid book, you know? Mm. Just trust the Lord, sister, you know? It's interesting how— it's so trite. It can but feel that way but, sometimes, yeah. It can, but it's so true. But it is. And yet, <laughs> and yet how, how can it become more? Well, I, I really asked the Lord, how can I build a platform for faith? And I felt like He just gave me kind of four pillars that we can build our lives on. Mm. And four unshakable truths. Because here's the problem. When I'm not going through something hard, I find it easier to trust Him. I see the big yeah. picture. But when I'm up against it, and I can't see any way around it, over or under it. And yeah. that obstacle feels more real than the goodness of God. I've got I've to have some truths that I back up and see the big picture. And so the first pillar is, God is good. And to yeah. be honest, that, that seems like such a tame word, but it encapsulates yeah. all that God yeah. is. Like His goodness, like really think about like good all the way through, not yeah. good some days and bad other days. You know, he doesn't have, God doesn't have good days and bad days. He's good. Wow. And so his all of his perfection, all of his wisdom, all of his power is encapsulated in that. And as I've been kind of even studying the attributes of God, I've got a, a I've got an appendix in the back that kind of has a, a list of some of the attributes that if we could just camp on one of those for a yeah. while, yeah. study it out and really see because here's the problem. I think we convict God on circumstantial evidence, right? Mm. Right, because my circumstances wow. are bad, then you must be bad. Wow. And we're blaming God for the very thing that our own rebellion brought forth. You and I were only meant for good. I think that's why we why we just instinctively think this is terrible. This ought not to be. Yeah. Right. It was never intended sure. to be broken and fallen and evil. We're the ones that introduced evil into wow. the world. And wow. so if I can come back to God is good all the time, even when I don't see it, when I don't feel it, He is good. Number two, He loves me. And I think mm. this is part of our problem. There's chronic love doubt among Christians. Yeah. We know it in our head, but it hasn't made it to our heart. And so asking the Lord, reveal your love to me. Number three is I belong to Him. Well, that's out of the four things. This is the only one that I really have any agency over. That's have right. I fully surrendered my life to God. And we have all sorts of yeah buts for that. Well, I'm a Christian, (laughs) but, you know, yeah, yeah, I've given control of God for that. But, you know, my kids, my kids, I just can't let go of my kids. Mm. You know, have we fully surrendered to the Lord? Because when we do that, 
He has obligated himself to take care of his own. Mm, And I can go, those four pillars, if I can just focus on that, Lord, if, if, if I have those four pillars going down to bedrock, then yeah. Satan can huff and puff, but he ain't going to be able to blow my faith down. Wow. But if it's building my house on shifting sand of circumstance, one day it's good, one day it's bad, I'm going to always struggle to trust him. Wow. Wow. Joanna, that is so good. I love those four pillars. I love just just being able to break down that construct of, yes, trust can feel very trite, especially if we just put a Band-Aid over our situation. Well, yeah. you got to just trust the Lord. You got to trust the Lord. Mm-hmm. However, the more that um, the more that I've walked through dark night of the soul seasons, the more that I've interacted with other people, there is a rich, deep well yeah. when, someone's, when someone's walked through that and they can come out of it saying, hey, trust God in this. Trust God in That's this. That's it. it. It carries so much more weight. And so... I'm so appreciative of the weight that your words carry in that because I know that you've walked through some very difficult mm-hmm. things and you've encouraged us today with this conversation. I want to make sure everybody picks up a copy of Embracing Trust. We're going to put it in the show notes, a link for you to get that very easily. Um, Joanna, thanks so much for spending time with us today and sharing your heart, sharing some of your story and sharing this work with us. It's just been an honor to talk with you. Oh, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. You know, I can just... I can just tell your listeners, you you don't have to have blind faith. Yes, mm. there will be opportunities where you're not going to be able to see, but you have a very fully substantiated platform on which to build your faith, and it, and it wow. goes back to the faithfulness of God. We don't have to hold on to our faith and That's our it. ability to work up faith. We just hold on to the faithfulness of God. So good. So good. Man, thank you for that reminder, Joanna. We needed, we don't, we all needed that today. Thank you. I do too. <laughs> well, another incredible conversation, Davey. Love it. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I appreciate her really highlighting something that we haven't talked about a ton here, but I know mm. it's something you're actually really passionate about the authority of God and trusting mm. the authority of God. I think it's a yeah. really, really crucial theme to kind of wrap our hearts oh around especially in pain yes it, right you're questioning god like what are you where's your sovereignty where's your authority what are you doing when all of these things 100 sort of foundational question right well one of the one of the places you get to when you start asking really difficult questions in your trauma which is what we encourage you we say hey ask mm-hmm. god the really difficult questions yes like job you will come to a place where god will point you back to his sovereignty and authority that's so true and then it, it, what it what that does is that induces other questions. Yeah. That induces questions of trust. Yeah. Because if you recognize that God's all powerful and yet he and he maybe could have prevented, could have intervened, could have, right? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things we say a lot is God doesn't always intervene to prevent something from happening in your life, but he does always intervene to produce something out of Yep. what has happened in your life. Yep. That's the whole That's concept true. of nothing is wasted, how God takes these awful, horrific things that we go through and he weaves a beautiful redemption story. Amen. Um, but that causes a lot of questions. And I, I think, Aubrey, that we inherently as a culture struggle with the idea of power and authority. I think we do too. Let's unpack that. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, inherently, I mean... <laughs> Rightfully so, we do in some respects. Totally. 
because I know all of us have experienced the misuse of power and authority. Big time. You know, I remember growing up and hearing the, the phrase absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? Mm. When you study some of these, you know, empires and dictators and you just see yeah. like there is an easy cycle to see that like once absolute power happens, once this kind of sovereignty over a nation takes place, that's the beginning of the end. That yeah. power is going to corrupt. Yeah. It's going to fracture and it's going to end up leading to, you know, the yeah. end of that civilization, or that end, end of that empire, end of that regime, whatever you want to call it. We yeah. see it in church world. We're seeing so many stories now of like personality-driven churches, so power being abused, authority being abused, church, you know, spiritual abuse. Yeah. So rightfully so, I think we have, you know, a really, and, and if, I, if I may, Aubrey, I'll go off on this for just a second. Because Please we're do. Reading, we're reading in a book club with my kids' school right now. And I love this. So we have a book club where we're reading old dead <laughs> authors, right? Like it's my favorite <laughs> thing in the world. I'm nerding out over it. Um, I love it because you're not reading like lo the the latest no. bestsellers. You're actually reading no. like classical Christian Classics. literature. Yeah. Yeah. So we're reading on the incarnation by Athanasius, one of our early by a church little fathers. known author named Athanasius. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I mean, if you don't know who Athanasius is, Google him. I mean, mm -hmm. like, talk about a powerhouse of yeah. helping us to understand you know, our, our, our doctrine and theology from the very yeah. early church, you know, formation. And so anyways, uh, C.S. Lewis actually wrote the introduction to this book. So that'll tell you something, right? C.S. Lewis cool. writes the introduction and he talks about this concept that often when we're trying to learn about some ancient truth of theology or doctrine, we don't usually go directly to the source. We go to the commentator. <laughs> we go to the person <laughs> so who true. is trying to unpack it. And he's like, let's just go to the source and read the dead guy. Wow. And this is ironic that C.S. Lewis is telling us this, right? Right, right. So anyways, um, the book is, so what Athanasius is doing in this book, stay with me for a second, is he is in a climate and a season where the, the influences, the, the, the contemporary influences of, of the day are the Greeks, the Epicureans, the all of these different factions that have polytheistic um, religions. Right. And, I mean, we can all think about Greek mythology, right? Yeah. The idea of Greek mythology, the, the God's relationship to the people was you have to appease the gods if you want your life to go well. Yeah. But the gods really don't care about you. They're so right. powerful, so aloof, so right transcendent that they don't care about you. And they're also kind of doofuses in some ways too, right? <laughs> so there, true. So there's a corruption within yeah. their yeah. power. Yeah. And so if you just got to appease them to keep them happy or they're going to kind of strike you down. That right. was the a general idea. And so the Greeks really contended against this idea of a God that would condescend himself, mm. who would wrap himself in flesh, as scripture tries to argue, and yeah. come to earth in the form and subject himself to the human experience. That's a wild notion. Because that seems weak. That's because not what a powerful weak. God would do. A powerful yeah. God would never do that, would never have yeah. to do that. Like, you just, like, it's God, it's Zeus. Mm. Zeus yeah. does whatever he wants to. Right. And you just got to deal with it. Wow. Right? That was, and so Greeks were using a lot of this reason, going, that's ridiculous. There's no way. Mm -hmm. And so that was the apologetic, or what, when I say apologetic, the, the arguing for faith that Athanasius was doing was, no, this this doesn't actually mean that he's weak. This demonstrates a strength because he had to do this. So in this book, he's trying to sh show you the reason why God had to do this wow. in order to break the power of sin yeah. in this world, yeah. right? So there was yeah. this, 
this this um, appeal back to his authority. Mm. Well, as I'm reading this, Aubrey, I'm going, that doesn't that's not the the argumentation that we would have today for our faith. Yeah, that's not today's like commendation of the gospel. We're not we're yeah. not having to go, no, God's authoritative and he's powerful and he's sovereign because <laughs> no, no, that would no, actually trigger not. a lot of people. <laughs> right, right. Right? And it might I mean, honestly, if we're all like that triggers a lot of us. I mean, you guys have heard Christy's story, uh, yeah. episode 100. She talks yeah. about how her belief of God was a narcissistic megalomaniac God who did everything mm-hmm. for only his glory. And mm-hmm. she was a pawn in that. Yeah. And that had to get unraveled yeah. because her trauma informed her that that was who God was. And that's mm. still having to get unraveled. Mm. And so our apologetic now is like, no, like God is good. God is good. Yes. God is for you. He's, God yeah. is I I know I I feel like I am encountering so many people Christians included with these distorted images of the father that he is against you. Yeah. He is that authoritative and so you're right it's a different day and age. It's right. not that cuz God still is all well, authoritative and, that's and all my powerful. Point. That's my yeah. point Aubrey is that because we now have to contend for the goodness of God and the mm. the personal nature of God yeah. and like he's for us that we I think it has it has desaturated mm. the authority of God. Interesting. And so I think we're struggling now to put our trust in an authoritative truth yeah. that is also good. And it kind of uh-huh. it kind of calls back to this idea of like, well, if God is all just all powerful, then we should be afraid of him. Yeah. And if he's just good, then why would we worship him? Right, right. So I think where there's a pendulum swing, as I looked at, you know, like, like 2,000 years ago, Athanasius, right? And it's like there's this pendulum swing that the enemy has, has craftily caused a lot of abuse and trauma, spiritual abuse to have. And he's playing on that to go, yeah, you can't trust authority. Mm. You can't trust. And I'm going, the That's only power way you God can is, truly yeah. heal yeah. is to recognize that God is both all authoritative, all consuming all sovereign right like yep and so good yeah yeah and so benevolent yeah you know so beautiful so for you so i yeah yeah you know what's amazing to me even just hearing you say this that the enemy schemes to try to twist even this our concept of power to try Mm. to um to try to undermine the authority of God. Like God is so um, unpackageable. Like God cannot be fit into any container. So God's like, okay, enemy, you're going to come at me with that. Well, then the people are going to talk about how good I am. And so even though it's a swing, it's almost like, oh, we don't want to go too far. We don't want to lose that. It's still like, it doesn't matter because God is so explosive. God's going to explode out of the boxes that we try to put him in anyway. And so that's because God is both authoritative, sovereign, yeah. has all power and authority, and is kind and good and loving. And, you know, and so he's yep. just able to like, okay, enemy, come at me. Like, yep. I, I'm coming back with more because yeah. that's who I am. Yeah. And and I think what I've found, um, this may not be the case, Aubrey, but I, mean, I may be making like a theory, a theorized statement, you know, um, that that's not true. But in my experience, I've seen that a lot of times this people really wrestle with and struggle with this idea of a of a authoritative and good god if they've had an, a really sour experience with an earthly father totally i no i i mean or, that is and anecdotally or a sour experience true. with other yeah and i 
And I, I'm really grateful. Like, I just, I love, my dad is amazing. Definitely mm-hmm. not perfect. But, like, yeah. I see the character and nature of someone who, like, he had authority in our home. Yeah. Right? He had, but he did not, as Philippians 2 says, he did not consider mm-hmm. equality with God as something to be grasped, as yeah. it describes of Jesus, right? But yeah. humbled himself in the form of a servant. My dad has a servant leader type, you know, posture. And so yeah. I, I saw that. And I can, I can easily attach the two. I can easily go, Oh no, my dad wants something great for me. And yet he wasn't afraid to like to discipline me and go, hey, no, no, no. Yeah. We're that is out of line. We're not gonna do that. Yeah. And so I, I got to see that what could be a cognitive dissonance for a lot of people, it wasn't. It was both true. That's amazing. And I think that helps us. And so that's what I want to help describe it. I mean, that's a very like, you know, microscopic perspective of the grandeur of who yeah. God really is and yeah. the nth degree of both of those qualities, but I want you to understand that about God, that like mm-hmm. God is all authoritative and, uh, you know, and he holds authority in all things and he's so, so good and for you. And, yeah. and, and, and you got to come to that understanding on both levels if you're going to heal well through anything that you've gone through Yeah, and trust And I think what you're to trying to get, him. that's it. Like, that's what you're trying to get is God's authority can be trusted. Like it yeah. is not a, it is not a twisted, corrupt no. authority, but like the purest, good, righteous authority right. of God's. Therefore, God can be trusted in that right. authoritative place and position that he holds. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Good day. And that is the journey of life. I mean, the journey of sanctification is, can I trust God? <laughs> totally. You yep. will be, and please, please hear me. Like I'm, I mean, you know, we're still young, Aubrey. I, However, yeah. I am we'll keep positive. Saying I'm, I am positive that over the next 30, 40 years of our life, if God grants us that or more, we will continually be put in situations where we will, that will be contested. Can I trust God? Yeah. Can I trust him? Yeah. So thank you, Joanna, for sharing that Yeah, thank you, Joanna. Well, you, I mean, obviously we hope you hear Davy's passion and my passion and Joanna's passion for the trust and authority of God. And so that's, that's, um, Something we feel like God has called us that nothing is wasted to help you partner with God to take back your story, really to surrender your story to his authority, to trust him with even the most difficult seasons of life, things that don't make a lot of sense. We want to invite you to a place where even there you can find God's goodness and God's authority. And because of that, we've created a community platform, community plus platform for you. It's at nothingiswasted.com slash community. It's a place where you can connect with um, other people who are walking through their own pain journeys. It's a place, community plus, especially a place where we've got resources for you. We've got a pathways for you, all kinds of things to help you experience what it is to trust God in the middle of your dark, dark days. Again, go to nothingiswasted.com slash community to find out more about that. Yeah. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can download or stream any of his music anywhere you can download or stream music. And we want to invite you to engage with us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries is the ministry handle. Mine is at Davey Blackburn. Aubrey's is at Obsamp. Um, and then also engage with us on YouTube. If you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I'd love to be able to see the guests and see you guys as your, yeah, I, you know yeah. what? It doesn't make sense to me. Honestly, I've never thought that people would listen to podcasts on YouTube, Yeah, really? but I also didn't think anybody would watch sports talk radio back when Mike and Mike <laughs> were doing it. People <laughs> love to do it. So if you love doing that, we are on YouTube. You can come follow us, subscribe there on YouTube. We would love for you to do that. Next week, we have a remarkable, I mean, a co- great conversation with a remarkable couple, Quentin and Tamika Graham, and you're not going to want to miss what, um, 
we're going to be hearing from them. And so go ahead and take a, a listen to a little bit of a, a, my conversation with Quentin and Tamika Graham. I had a child at the age of 14 because I lived in a single parent home. Um, my dad wasn't around and I didn't meet him until I was 15. Um, so I felt a lot of abandonment, rejection, um, low self-esteem, different things like that. So it was hard for me to trust, um, thinking that everybody was going to walk out of my life, um, thinking that everything could go wrong, was going to go wrong. Um, and it, it just was rough for us. Um, communication was a big thing for us. And now we are big advocates for counseling because counseling helped us. <laughs> 